about the truth that the God we worship promises. Someone has said that promises are like crying babies in a church. It's best when they're carried out immediately. (laughs) However, sometimes promises can't be carried out immediately for one reason or another. And in cases like that, promises are like money. Much easier to make than to keep. God is one who promises and always is able and does carry out what he has said. It seems appropriate to me that on Mother's Day we focus on this particular attribute of God, his faithfulness, because there is no image of faithful love that is more powerful than that of a mother. I don't know if you understand how radical this idea is that God is faithful. We sing about it, we study about it, we hear about it so much that we take it for granted. But imagine for a moment that God were not faithful, that God were arbitrary in keeping his promises. We would live our lives at the best in uncertainty and at the worst in absolute terror, wondering when God would keep which promises, if any of them, to us. Suppose God were faithful to some people, but not faithful to others. We must never take for granted the faithfulness of God. Yet it's hard for us to get a hold of what this means, because we measure faithfulness by the world in which we live. A world that is dominated really by deceit and by lies. For we live in a world order that has fallen into sin, the very first of which was a lie, sold to Adam and Eve, which they believed. And since that time, the world order has been based largely upon deceit and lies as the norm. Doing business with a handshake or by the giving of one's word are as much antiques in 1991 as furniture that was made 30 or 40 years ago. It was a little humbling this last week to be in some antique stores in Red Wing and there to go through and see toys and other objects that are being sold as antiques, toys that I played with when I was a kid. (laughs) Give me a break. These aren't antiques. But they command the price of antiques. But is there anything more old-fashioned, more out-of-date than the idea that you simply seal a deal with a handshake? Whole professions are built up around the fact of the dishonesty of the human race. Today, commitments are made, but casually broken if the commitments become inconvenient. Ask merchants about return checks. Ask the government about student loans. Ask the IRS about tax fraud. Ask schools about excuses for absences. Ask leaders of organizations from the PTA to local ministries and churches about promises. And inevitably you find the same rather sad story. 
that the human race is, has a poor record of keeping promises. Now, we live in a world like that. And sadly, too often we accommodate ourselves to that. But you and I worship a God who never breaks a promise. Now, it's good to keep in mind that some of his promises are conditional. In other words, there's something that one needs to do in order to receive the promise. But there are other promises of God that are unconditional. For example, God's promise to Abraham regarding a seed and a land and a blessing, unconditionally given to Abraham and to his descendants. Or for that matter, the promise that God will preserve those who trust in Jesus Christ until that time that they are with him in heaven, the security of salvation, unconditionally promised to those who believe in Christ. God always keeps his promises. He is the God who cannot lie, as was read in our text earlier. He cannot lie because he is the truth. He is the truth. There is no lie in him. And that's why it says in 2 Timothy 2.13, God cannot deny himself. Though we may fail to believe God at some point or another, he is always faithful because he can't deny himself what he is. He is the truth. And we read in 1 Kings 8, verse 56, Not one word has failed of all his good promises. The God that we worship promises. And he will faithfully bring to pass all his word. Hebrews 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises is faithful. And then that text that's on the front of our bulletin this morning from Psalm 89. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness through all generations. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. Think with me of how the faithfulness of God may be observed. It can be observed, for example, in nature. Turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Genesis 8.22. After the flood, Noah built an altar and offered sacrifices to the Lord. And the Lord came down and made a promise. He says in verse 22 of Genesis 8, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now there is a promise that God made. It is a promise regarding the seasons and the cycles of creation. Some of these apparently were not present before the flood. The earth seems to have been temperate in all of its regions before the flood. But the flood tremendously changed the the atmosphere of the world. And so from that time on, there were seasons, there was cold, and there was, was heat. 
And there was not continual harvest, but there was a, a time for planting and then a time for harvest and a time for the earth to lie at rest. And summer and winter were apparently not present then, although day and night were. But God is saying that from this time onward, as long as there is the world, there will be seasons and there will be cycles in nature. God has kept his promise. There are some times when those of us in Minnesota think he's coming just a little short on one end of the promise regarding heat and summer. But eventually it always comes around. You see, we can observe the faithfulness of God in nature. The very reason that we can have such a thing as science which is built upon the idea that you can experiment and you can expect under the same conditions, using the same things, the same results every time. You can even see in that the faithfulness of God, building into the creation those kinds of laws that permit scientific experimentation. And then we can see the faithfulness of God in covenants that he makes. In chapter 9 of Genesis, God makes a covenant with Noah and uh, the generations following him, including ourselves. Uh, God spoke to Noah, it says in verse 8, and to his sons, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And he goes on to explain some of that. And then notice what he says in verse 12. This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about that when I bring a cloud over the earth, that, I, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. Every time that there is a storm and the result of the storm afterward is a rainbow in the heavens, it is another time when God is showing the sign of the Noahic covenant. God says, you see, there is an end to the storm. There is not a flood to destroy the whole world. This happened in the days of Noah. God is faithful to his covenants. This is but one example of them. And it's an example of a covenant made with all humanity. It's an example of a covenant with a visible sign that God still gives today. The rainbow. We see the faithfulness of God in the history of the world. We're in Genesis, so turn to Genesis 15. And here we have a record of God's covenant with Abram. The Lord came to him in a vision and said, Do not fear, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram said, Since thou hast given me no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. 
And he, the Lord, took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abram believed the word of God. And what was the word, the promise that God made? That he would have an heir that would come from his own body. And that eventually this man who was childless now would have descendants that would be numbered like the stars of the heavens. Has God kept his promise? Yes. Multiplied millions of the descendants of Abraham in the world today. Some of them through Isaac some of them through Ishmael, but he has multiplied millions of descendants today in your generation of mine living in the world, and they have been here since the days of Abram. God keeps his promises. We see it in history. We see it in the nation of Israel still existing today. I haven't seen a Hittite recently, have you? Many of the ancient nations are no more. Some peoples bear the same names. But in the Jewish people, in the nation of Israel, we have the descendants, the very descendants of David. God has kept his promise and has preserved that people and today has uh, allowed them to come together again as a political entity for his own purposes. And yet sometime in the future, God is going to supernaturally restore them to the land and bring them back to faith in Him and in His Messiah. God keeps His promises. But all of us today share in another of God's promises, and that is the promise of redemption. In Isaiah seven fourteen, God said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name God with us, Emmanuel. Galatians chapter 4, the apostle says, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. God sent the Redeemer. The promise was fulfilled in that virgin birth prophecy of Isaiah seven fourteen, And Jesus Christ was born and went on to the cross and there offered the sacrifice for human sin. God fulfilled his promise of sending a Redeemer. And today he extends the promise to all people who will believe in that Redeemer. That whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be redeemed from sin, and made a child of God. God keeps his promises. Because the God we worship keeps his promises. There's some application to our lives that are kind of exciting. One is that knowing the God who faithfully promises means laying aside falsehood ourselves. If you and I know the God who promises and who faithfully keeps his word... It is an instruction to us who are his children to likewise lay aside falsehood. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4.
fourth chapter of the Epistle to the Ephesians. The Apostle says, and uh, we'll just begin in verse 22. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. If there is one central core issue with the old self, it is the issue of deceit. It eats away and it corrupts the natural man. Deceit. The apostle says here, lay aside that old self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Just the opposite of deceit. Then he says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. You and I need to learn to be honest as the children of God. To be honest, not just because it's a good thing to do and it's beneficial to society and it keeps our reputation intact. Those are all fine reasons, but they're secondary. We need to be honest because by our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been made new people. And we want to lay aside and take off the manner of life that was a part of our old self. With its deceit and its lying, its dishonesty. And we want to put on the new self. Which is created in the holiness of truth. And because of who we are in Jesus Christ. To lay aside falsehood. We want to be honest with others. When we make a commitment, we make a promise to somebody, we keep that promise. God helping us. That even to our own loss, we keep our word. Oh, there is such a need for this example in our world. And when it exists, what a difference there is. What what a tremendous testimony it is in an office. When there's a man or woman who works there as a child of God and who is honest and who holds up integrity and truthfulness before everybody else in the office, it raises the standard of morality in everybody because of the presence of that one who is there. Be that kind of a child of God who makes a difference in the world. Be honest also with yourself. If there's any lying that we tend to do easily, it's when we lie to ourselves. We let ourselves off with excuses that are just a little shady. Or there are times when we say things to ourselves and self-talk that are, that's a lie. We say to ourselves, you're so stupid. You always blow it. It isn't true. We all make mistakes, but it isn't true to say to ourselves, you're stupid and you always blow it. That's a lie. Get rid of that kind of vocabulary. 
Be honest with yourself before God. Of course, be honest with God. Be honest with God. And when you make a promise to God, when you make a commitment to God, keep that promise. I know, O Lord, says the word, that thy judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. Knowing God who faithfully promises means laying aside falsehood, but it also means abiding under the discipline of the Lord. God in faithfulness afflicts us. Psalm 89 is about the affliction that is upon the people of God, and yet the faithfulness of God is upheld there. In Hebrews chapter 12, we have a beautiful expression of God's faithful love to us when it says that God, as a father who loves his children, disciplines us. Mothers who love their children discipline them in the name of the Lord. Fathers who love their children discipline them. And God disciplines us. Not because he's angry, not because God is mad at us, not because God wants to make us miserable, but because God wants our good. That's why we discipline our children. When we discipline our kids, it's because we have a longer view of the consequences of this disobedience. We understand what it can mean if this kind of a routine or habit continues on. And so we intervene. We say, no, you can't do that. And God does the same thing. He's able to look ahead. He sees the consequences. And he says, my child, I love you. Therefore, he takes us to the woodshed and we get our discipline. When you and I undergo the discipline of God, rather than making us bitter at God, we should lift our hearts to God in gratitude that it's an expression of, of his faithful love. Knowing the God who faithfully promises means resting upon his character. 2 Thessalonians 3 3 talks a little bit about this, a great expression of the apostle. It's interesting in this book, these two books written to the Thessalonians who were going through a time of suffering. Paul underscores the faithfulness of God. And he says in verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians 3, The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Dear friend, listen to me. No one has ever trusted God in vain. No one. God is faithful to his promises. And you and I can learn to rest upon his character. We live in a world where we have a hard time believing people in authority because so often what has been said has either been shaded in the giving of the facts or what has been promised doesn't come through and so we hear people in authority say things and we just let it go off our backs like water off a duck's back. It doesn't stick with us because we expect them not to keep their word. That's sad. That's the world we live in. But God is different. When God says it, you can count on it. Therefore, 
instead of expending so much energy and worry and anxiety, we can relax. And we can trust God to be in control of our circumstances. The Lord is faithful, and he will protect you, says Paul, from the evil one. He will. Will you believe that? In what you're passing through right now, today, this weekend, will you believe that God is faithful and he will protect you? That you don't have to run around anxiously worrying? Give it to God and rest in him. I hope that our hearts today can soar with knowing God who is faithful to his promises. I hope that we can begin to get a hold of the, the radical nature of this truth. That God is so completely different than our normal sphere of reference. God is absolutely trustworthy. We can depend on him. Because he is the God who promises, let that embolden us to be innovative in our visions of serving him. Do you have some dream or some desire of serving God that just seems so, so impossible to where you are? Is God planting in you a vision of some kind of service for him or some way that you can serve him there in the office or in your factory? Some, something that you can do that right now just doesn't seem possible? Be bold and trust God. Go for it. Let the faithfulness of God embolden you to plow ahead and not to look back. Let it also provide you with confidence to trust him in your greatest challenges of life. It may be that there's a mom here today and you say, my greatest challenge is just going home today and facing what I have to face in my family. There are some moms like that. Will you let the faithfulness of God provide your confidence to go home and face it? Let the faithfulness of God stir you to keep your promises and to fulfill your word just as God does to us. Back in 1983, a terrible tragedy took place in Beirut. Almost 300 Marines were killed in a terrorist explosion. You remember it well. And how this building that was supposed to be strong and well-guarded, in which they were sleeping, was impacted with a car filled with dynamite. The result was the whole building just collapsed into a rubble heap. Some Marines lived through the terrible fire that followed the explosion. One of them was visited by General Kelly in the hospital a few days after the explosion. He was wrapped from head to foot in bandages. Tubes were going in and out of his body. He could not talk. General Kelly expressed the gratitude of the United States government for his service. And the Marine, with pain, motioned for a pad and a pencil. He could not speak. 
And with the strength that he had, he took that pencil in his hand and he began to write letters on this pad of paper. S-E-M-P-E-R-F-I. That was as far as he could go. But it was clear to General Kelly exactly what he was saying. It was an abbreviated version of the motto of the Marine Corps. Semper Fidelis. Always faithful. Oh, as children of God, that that should be our goal. Our God is always faithful to us. Semper Fidelis. May that motto be written on our lives, that we might imitate our Heavenly Father and, like Him, be faithful. We worship a God who promises. Let's pray to Him. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? Father, as a congregation of people, we stand in Your presence. How we thank you that you are semper fidelis, always faithful. We worship you. We bless you because you are absolutely trustworthy. Forgive us when we fail to remember that. But right upon our hearts today, afresh, I pray, a desire to be like you, Father to be faithful to our word, to give our promise and to keep it with all of the strength and grace that you would give us, whether it be in the context of our marriage vows, our responsibilities in the home, in your work in the world, or in our jobs, may we be a faithful people and thus bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.